Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart, and you're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. Um, we're, we're actually interrupting our conversation, Helen, Victoria, and myself, in order to go live now. So <laughs> I don't want to have like a belabored introduction. I just kind of want to pick up where we just left off in our conversation. So, Helen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, I would love for you to start with uh, one of the pieces we talked about uh, that you were ready to read for us. Okay. I'm going to read uh, Fruit of the Gods. You are not unlike persimmons. It's right about this time of year you ripen, your limbs growing heavier. I picture you on the patio listening to smooth jazz, thinking you will go out dancing tonight where you will meet the one you will bring home. You will not tell her your real name. You will appear kind and sensitive. She will look at you and smile. I eat persimmons, peel the fleshy orange skin from its more tender center, rake the fuzzy residue off my tongue with my teeth. Even when I reach that softer middle, it's hard to ignore any inherited bitterness as I swallow. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, and kind of like picking up where we left off and kind of where we started our conversation. Okay. Um, I would love for you to tell us what it's like to, as you explained to me, come up with an idea in Greek and translate it into English for the page in your poetry. Um, a lot of times when I'm trying to uh, tap into what I want to say. It, it begins as the process in my head begins in Greek. And um, I think even before I get to the page, I start the entire translation process of what do I want this to convey to the reader? What does the, is this poem, what is it going to say in the end? And the translation process begins in my head Sometimes when I actually start to get it on paper, it makes absolutely no sense. So then I'd have to go back and <laughs> into the thought process and begin all over again. Um, but mm-hmm. it is—it's it, it, hard when you're multicultural that way because you think sometimes in a completely different language. So it's a translation well, process from go. And, and I'm, you know, from the work of yours that I've read, it's highly metaphoric and very image oriented. And, you know, certain languages are um, easier than others for that type of communication. And so I, I was thinking, really, this must be so hard for you to do. Like, were, when you write this, do you think of the metaphor first, or does that come later, and it, does it evolve differently in each language? These are, like, structural questions I have about your work that, you know, I could think about for, you know, forever. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of times the metaphor begins in, in a different language. It begins definitely in Greek. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I will just translate it that way um, and not mm-hmm. worry so much about whether it's a metaphor that necessarily makes a lot of sense. Um, right, right. It, it, it comes off a little more random. Um, and I'm okay with that, you know, and I think it, yeah. my work has been accepted, so it seems to be working for me. It, you know what, it, it's very fresh. Like the, the metaphors are never, you know, cliché. They're always something different, and they always take your mind in a different direction. So I think that is definitely working. Um, the, the One of the things we, we didn't get a chance to really talk talk about, but you also write fiction. Um, 
how different is your process for fiction versus poetry, or is it no different at all? I write very little fiction. I think I've mm-hmm. written three pieces. They were very well received. I was very lucky. Um, I think when I write fiction, it's a poem gone wrong for me. <laughs> it starts <laughs> off somewhere in my mind as a poem, and then it automatically turns into a, a piece of fiction. I admire people who can write fiction because I really yeah. don't feel that I have that. I can't, um, I don't have those stories in me. I wish that I did, mm-hmm. and I wish that someday mm-hmm. I might. But I, I'm more poetry-oriented. That's where my love is, and so that's where I, I pour my passion into. Mm-hmm. And it really, that is a, a definite word I would attach to your work, very passionate. I think that comes through very clearly. Thank um, you. Now, on this show, you know, I do oftentimes, because I am from New Jersey, and sometimes people tell me I sound that way, we do tend to talk a little bit about accent from time to time. You know, I've had some people mm-hmm. from other places like Georgia and uh, <laughs> Arkansas and places with pronounced accents, and we do talk about those things. But I have to tell you, if I were to just talk to you, I not know your background at all, I would think you were from here. Like you just sound to me like you're from New York, New Jersey, Brooklyn, you know, this part of the world. And right. so when you told me that you grew up in, you were born in Greece and you learned English when you came here, it's, it really, <laughs> it so doesn't fit when I hear your voice. You sound like a I know. English speaker. Yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> it's a New York accent that I have. I grew up, most of my yeah. life was spent in New York. Um, so you pick up the accent and then you never lose it no matter where you live. <laughs> and it's funny because it's part, like, I hear elements of that, but also of something else when I when I listen to your poetic voice. Like, your written work um, has an edge in it that is very direct, very New York, you know, centered kind of feel. I feel that in it. But there's also this other quality which, you know, clearly is not from here. And I think they they really blend together very nicely. And I'm not sure how aware of that you are when you write. Is that something that you feel or not so much? I don't think I'm aware of it at all. And it's funny, a friend of mine who is also a writer has recently told me that I write blue-collar poetry, <laughs> and I was I was totally okay with that. I took it as a compliment. Um, I thought, yeah. well, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure how aware I am of, of the two, the combination of voice. <laughs> but Which is, and, and that's the thing that strikes me. It's definitely a combination, you know, and there's a, there's like, I can, I can understand that, the blue-collar thing, although I, you know, with certain elements that find their way into your work, and there's that concept of mythology and literature and all that, that does have a different, brings it a different feel, but I could hear that. Um, you're working on a book. Tell us about your book. Um, my manuscript is complete. Um, it will be out in November, um, probably late November, from Scrambler Books. I'm very excited about it. It is entitled Corn Exchange. Um, and it is a collection, a full-length collection of poetry. Um, I believe there's close to 60 poems in there. Um, most mm-hmm. of the work in there has been published in one journal or another, um, and I'm really grateful to Scrambler Books for um, coming to me um, about two years ago about that manuscript, and it took a while for me to put together, but I'm very pleased with the outcome and extremely excited about it. It is exciting. How did you get the idea for this particular collection? Where did it originate? Um, I think, for the most part, it was it's a collection um, to do with relationships and loss. 
And mm-hmm. um, the poems are, it, my hope is that others can see the cohesiveness um, in the poetry itself. It's a book divided into three different parts, um, and there are three different portions of my life, basically, when the poems came out, um, and then brought together in one collection. I don't think that I ever actually came up with the idea. It just sort of happened, and it found me, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. It just kind of seems it to does. It does. Now, you've done chapbooks before. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. I have two chapbooks at Gold Wake Press, um, The Sounds and Sound, the Sights and Sounds of Arctic Birds and Random Cartography Notes. Um, they are available as e-chaps on the Gold Wake Press website. Um, both um, are each of five poems, each chapbook. I have a third chapbook coming out um, at Red Ochre Press, which I expect to be out within a few months. And that one is called Blackwater uh, Pneumatic Disturbance. And I am in the process of working on yet another chapbook now, um, which is entitled 1611. So I'm hoping to find a home for that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about the the first two particularly. I read some of the um, bird poems that you've had published in other journals. And so that, it seems to me those first two chapbooks are highly targeted um, collections. They're work that's very specific. Um, which kind of explains their their appearance, you know, together, how you put those particular poems together for those works. Tell me a little bit about the other two collections. What's that theme that holds each of them together? Um, I think the theme for the others are one of the collections, um, the one that's coming out at Red Ochre um, is called Blackwater, a Pneumatic Disturbance, and it is basically a, a collection of poetry that I wrote um, about an interpersonal relationship. And I, I think I write about relationships a great deal. I don't know if my readers are picking that up or not, but mostly <laughs> I think how we fail one another as people, you know, whether the relationship happens to be one of love or friendship or even those that we have with the people in our lives, like our parents and our children. Um, interpersonal relationships always intrigue me on some level. And I think as people, we fail one another whether we take ownership of it or not and so um, Mm -hmm. I tend to write about that a great deal and I think that has a lot to do with my heritage because um, it Mm -hmm. seems that you know the the Greeks were great thinkers so as a poet I think too much and so I write about it (laughs) (laughs) great thinkers and great feelers and you know because that emotional content is what carries you through all that great literature. I mean, you know, Medea, my God. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> how do you get how do you get anything more emotional than Greek literature? It's really it's it makes such an impression, I think, on all of us. And it it's clearly a vein in your work, that that depth and strength of emotion, that force of it really. Thanks. Um I'm why glad are you that that's coming over? out. <laughs> Oh, no, it definitely is coming out. (laughs) I don't think you could hide that or mask it in any way, you know, if you tried. I think that would be hard to do. Um, I would love for you to read another poem for us. Okay. This poem is called uh, Canis Lupus. I wanted to be prepared for the rasping jab saw of nightfall, that parentheses of salt, the melancholy small factory of hinged ribs, where they make replacement blades and fix broken sentences for the dust-filled vessel of his throat. 
I wanted the nocturnal wolf in a box, his tongue on a scrap of paper, where I would turn myself inside out for him, simply out of habit. Hmm. And, and you know, um, again, with the Im- the images are so strong in that work. Um, you know, this is kind of a maybe a bizarre technical question. But what was the very first thing you can remember when you wrote that poem? Like, was, what was the first word you put on the page? Um, definitely the title on that one. And I didn't want it to be another <laughs> poem about wolves. <laughs> I needed to really think that one through on how I want to, this is what I wanted to say. <laughs> because there's a lot of poems about wolves. <laughs> um, so I think I, I needed very much to, and I did a lot of research, believe it or not, for that little poem um, on tools and saws. And I, I downloaded, downloaded a tool catalog to, to pretty oh, much God. make some discovery. <laughs> so you had the technical language to use that <laughs> skillfully there. You had to have that in order to do that. You needed to do the research. Right. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. A lot of times, you know, as poets, we won't we'll we'll really skimp on that research side of things and use the words the way we think they should be used <laughs> instead. Right. I'm actually um, heavy on research. I I don't mind doing the research for a poem because it 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 helps the whole process. I believe. You know, if I'm going to write about something I don't know that much about, like power tools, <laughs> then certainly I'm going to do some research. <laughs> How often when you write, do you impersonate a totally different person, not yourself? You know, it's not you in any way, shape, or form in that poem. Does that ever happen or does it happen all the time? What's the, what do you think the ratio is? I think um, I, I write a lot of persona poems. Um, there's three mm-hmm. of them at the Offending Adam um, that I wrote on different Greek mythology, one of them being mm-hmm. Athena, mm-hmm. the other was Narcissus, and then one was Atlas. And... Um, I, I really enjoy writing them, and even though you're writing it as someone else's voice, inevitably your own voice comes out. It's your own life right. experience that you're tapping into, um, right? which I do anyway with all of my poems. You cannot help but, it, even though it's a persona poem, it's really all about you. <laughs> you know? And right. I just kind of go well, with and it. Particularly <laughs> with those, you know, I read those, and I like them quite a bit, but you're using such iconic, um, you know, personas to inhabit there, Athena right. and Narcissus. These are, you know, we, we all own them to some degree. Like yes. that's, the, that's the beauty of those, those particular people. It must have been a fun thing. Those must have been really fun to write. They were. They were a lot of fun to write, and I'd actually like to expand on the mythology poems mm-hmm. a little bit more um, and see what I can do with that down the line. Well, how pervasive in your childhood was the mythology? Was it, you know, something that you did you hear those stories every day, or were they, you know, were they really not as as present as that? Uh, not nearly as present as one would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mm-hmm. certainly things I learned more so as I got older and was in this country and went to school here and saw what an impact mythology, Greek mythology, had in literature mm-hmm. and so forth. And I, I began to learn more about it here. You know, and it's, it's mm. kind of funny to me because people often will want to share mythology stories with me, and I'm like, no, it's boring. I don't want to hear it, you know. <laughs> but I, I need to just get it in my own mind that it excites others and not as much nearly as much as it excites me. <laughs> I totally love it. <laughs> I can talk about it all day. Um, so 
what are you working on right now? Like how many different things? One thing? What, what are you working on? As I'm speak? working on a couple of things. I am completing that chapbook uh, called 1611, which I'm hoping to sign a home. It is uh, 13 prose poems. And mm-hmm. I'm also working on a novella in verse um, entitled Amsterdam, mm-hmm. which I eventually would like to find a home for as well. Um, that will be probably 50 to 60 poems. Um, the book is Wonderful. entitled Amsterdam, and every poem in it will be called Amsterdam. It's basically a story in in poems. So mm-hmm. that, that one is um, very much in the works, and it will take me some time. Um, but eventually yeah. I'd like to see what I can do with that. I like and that then every then poem I write. has the same title. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> um. We're all out of time, so I want to. We didn't even get to discuss, you know, how you know a poem is a prose poem versus a more structured. But you know, it, we didn't even get to half the stuff, you know, that we okay. wanted to talk about. But you're you're going to come back on in November when the book comes out, and so we'll have Absolutely. more time to talk about a whole bunch of things. So Absolutely. if you would leave us with a third poem, that would be great. Okay, I'm going to read Paris Metro 2000. I break up with him on the Paris Metro five stops before Paris-Lachaise Cemetery. For three days, it has been raining heavy. We are going to see the graves of Jim Morrison and Oscar Wilde. Three more stops, and he is now trying to convince me that we should stay together till I leave Paris. As the train pulls into its final stop, I tell him I just want to be free. Standing at Jim Morrison's grave, it is raining harder, and now he is crying. The grave is beginning to flood, and there is a steady stream of muddy water heading towards my shoes. There are a dozen ways a woman can stay without staying. I, that may be one of the my favorite last lines that I've read in a, you know, in a long, long time. I love that. I mean, it's so... So eloquent, so true. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I have heard that before about that line. I've gotten a lot of comments on it. I'm quite happy with it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think that that is a perfect line right there. (laughs) Thank you. And I also, you know, as I read this first and then as I listened to you read it, I had the same impression. Like I felt I could have been uh, on that that train, you know, watching this. Story unfold like it seemed to me like something I could be eavesdropping on. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I think um, a lot of people have a lot of good reactions to this poem when it came out at Trainwright. Um, I was I was really thrilled that it got accepted and came out in such a great journal. And then I started to get a lot of emails about that last line, and I was <laughs> like, wow, that's really affecting people. And most of them, I have to say, were from women, <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> Maybe we should keep this conversation about that last line quiet. Um, all right. I I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. And I look forward thank to talking you with you again much. when the book comes out. And I wish you great success with everything you're working on now. We can't wait to hear thank more about it. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. So, everyone, have a great week. I hope you get a lot of writing done and a lot of reading done. And I'll be back next week with more um, interesting news and um words about poetry. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.